Hello and welcome to Advisory Advantage, the podcast where we delve deep into advisory, how to market, how to sell and how to deliver advisory as a modern accountant. I'm MC Carter, founder of Practice Paradox, and we're a global digital marketing agency solely for progressive accountants. And as usual, I'm joined by my friend, Richard Francis, founder and CEO of Spotlight Reporting. G'day, Richard. G'day, mate. How are you doing? I'm really well. Good to Good see to you. See you. It's great to see you. And uh, yeah, Spotlight Reporting, uh, we're empowering accountants around the world with software and, and wonderful people working alongside our accounting friends. And speaking of accounting friends, uh, this one's a special one because we have Sharon Pocock with us from the multi-award winning Kinder Pocock in, of all places, Little Hereford in the United Kingdom. Beautiful place, but um, a great friend of Spotlight Reporting a legend in the zero sphere so welcome Sharon thank you very much <laughs> how do I follow that <laughs> nice to be well, here well you don't because I've got to do the agenda now for, for tonight so we're gonna <laughs> as, as, as usual in advisory advantage we're going to range all over the place um, it is a it is a chat with with leading advisors and people who we know are doing great work so we're gonna MC and I are going to practice our listening skills tonight um, and, and I mentioned that because one of the themes that Sharon has proposed uh, that she feels that probably um, a lot of our listeners will be interested in is actually voice of customer and how do we listen to our customers. So I'm look, really looking forward to um, a discussion centred mainly around that. I do want to touch on, on things like pricing um, and how we listen to get the right engagement and the right pricing in there. But does that sound like a really good topic to anchor things on, uh, Sharon and MC? Yeah, it does. Brilliant. And I just want to compliment Sharon on the purple wall and uh, the, the greenery behind here. I'm, I'm, I've been told by my producers that my white wall is boring. So, so next time <laughs> we do advisory advantage, um, expect amazing things in the backdrop. But anyway, enough about that. Um, Sharon. Starter for 10, listening to customers. How well do we do it? Is it overrated? Do we uh, want to listen to them at all? Probably underrated. I think we should do it more. Um, so I think because we're all talking about advisory all the time, um, we're talking about uh, what that means to our firms, what it means, what services do we offer, how do we package it up, how do we price it. I think sometimes we're in danger of forgetting what the client actually needs. So I think it's massively important to listen to the client and hear, listen and hear and understand what actually are their pain points and what they need from us. What does listening mean to you? Hmm. Um, it means, uh, I think, in any conversation where you're advising, you should be doing more of the listening because how can you understand what your client's going through? So it really is listening to their words and their needs, but listening in between the words. So I've got a good story. Shall I tell you that one now? I've got a great story about um, what we thought we needed to deliver to the client and then had a meeting with them and actually what they did need. So um, it was a new client about... A year or so ago, we moved them from desktop software onto um, Zero and Receipt Bank. They loved it. So we were having a, a tax planning meeting like three months before their year end to work out, um, you know, what their tax could be by the end of the year and how could we save them tax. So they'd never had this before because they didn't, none of 
well, their accountant and they didn't have the access to the real-time data. So we did them a forecast up to the end of the year with Spotlight, obviously. Um, they did have a tax problem, um, but no money in the bank. So they really did want us to help them. We had our financial advisor here as well because he's really good at um, clever tax planning schemes. So we were all poised and ready. Um, what we did discover, though, was that they have massive, very old debtors. So £27,000 very, very old, and they couldn't get them in. They didn't have the time. They were maybe phoning people or emailing every now and then, but the money wasn't coming in. So we connected them with Chaser, the Chaser app. Um, yep. Yeah, credit control app. And they were. we told them about it, introduced them to it, and they were then nagging us to get them started on it. We need to do it now. So we got uh, their debtors down to five grand in six weeks. So they came... We, we offered them our tax planning service before the year end. That wasn't what they needed. They were interested in that. But by listening and looking at the data, then we could um, talk with them about what they really needed. Um, part of their master plan over the next three years also was to buy a big CNC machine, their, their sign mm -hmm. makers. Um, right. And because they got this money in the bank, obviously it was too late then to do, do anything with the tax problem. Um, but they managed to put the deposit down on the machine and they've had it about six months and wow. massively improved their business, taken on more employees and everything. What, what a great success. And what's interesting out of all of that is I'm sitting here thinking how many clients we've all had over the years in the industry who, you know, we go, uh, you know, here's, here's the tax to pay, but we haven't asked the obvious question or listened to, do you actually have the cash to pay it? And of course we get the horrified looks, um, strokes and heart attacks on the other side of the table when yeah. we announce what the what, what tax there is to pay. So that's a really good example, I suppose, of off offering a service yeah. that's emerged from listening. Mm. Um, look, before we before we came on, you gave MC and I an example of how you developed your listening skills because I think the step in this story that we haven't heard yet is how did you actually learn to be a better listener as an advisor? Because we all in advisory land, love the sound of our own voice, don't we? We do, because we think we've got all the answers, don't we? I mean, we're, that's how we're trained, I think, to advise and consult and everything. Um, so I was lucky to attend the Spotlight Advisory Academy a couple of years ago. Um, yep. No longer running, so very lucky to get on that. And the first thing we learned was listening and coaching skills. So um, listening the listening skills, learning that was really, I've never done anything like that before. It was um, a real, uh, one of those moments, uh, the penny dropped. So what we did was sat opposite each other and one person said one sentence. So it was, how did you get here today? So said one sentence and the other person had to repeat back word for word the sentence mm -hmm. they just heard. That's not that easy. Because all you can do is listen then. Um, you can't be thinking about anything else. And then um, we moved on to longer sentences and repeating the longer sentence back. And the last um, activity was the person talking about how they derived that day uh, said quite a long paragraph. And then the person listening had to repeat back the gist of what they'd said. So making sure they'd got the facts. So not, obviously you can't repeat that back word for word. So it was mm -hmm. just um, making sure that, yeah, so repeating back to them 
their understanding. So we did that quite a few times and it's, it's actually really hard. It's funny, as you're saying this, and I remember that was an exercise with our friend um, Heather Townsie. Um, I don't know about you, MC, but I'm, because I've been stuck in advisor land for so long, as Sharon was speaking, I was almost thinking about what do I say to add value to that comment rather than actually absorbing the... Mm. Uh, yeah, listening with the intent to reply is the standard in society rather yeah. than... One of the best rules I've um, been taught over the years is called the plus three rule, which is when you ask a question, ask another three questions that relate to the first question because often people won't give you the deep true answer first time round. So if you ask someone how's business going, yeah, good, thanks, and then you move on to something else, there's no real information that's been uncovered. But to ask another three related questions, then that creates, I find, a conversation. And actually, they might not know the answer until they get to the, that's, till they get to the last question. Mm. So that's a, good, that's a good skill in listening as well, to ask the one question and then keep asking and digging. So mm. a bit like... That's how we would do our advisory and coaching sessions is, and I learned this on the advisory course as well, is just keep asking and digging a little bit further. Um, it's good with uh, things like staff reviews as well, in all sorts of instances, or, or the children, when they tell you one thing and you think that's not quite the right answer, dig, keep <laughs> digging. Why? What do you mean? What's that? So, yeah. And yeah. Still, what were you doing? Ask, yeah. <laughs> Uh, asking the right questions just to to get the information out. So you do the questions and you're, I see it as pulling the information out of them by asking the right questions and then listening to what comes out. Mm. So you've got a team now. How are you teaching your staff and your wannabe advisors to have this iron restraint and ability to listen and absorb and ask the right questions? (laughs) Um, I think we talk about it we're a small team and we all work together and we have a daily catch-up and a planning meeting once a week we have three month reviews so we do always talk about this stuff um the other day kelly was uh phoning a client um who was uh pushing back a little bit on a five pound a month fee increase so um but what we know is it's really difficult to get information out of her so we said so i i asked Kelly to make the call but I said look what if you say to her then um have a chat with her and say we're going to really struggle to leave the fee as it is because we are spending a lot of time chasing you for information chasing you for information and then stop let her filter that through and then see what she says so um Kelly did and but we decided in the end now we again this is about listening isn't it she had the client had um recently had a baby so We've said, look, we are struggling to keep the fee at the same level, but we we get where you are. We're going to leave it where it is and we'll review it in a few months. And Kelly, once we got to that bit with actually let's leave it where it is and say we understand, Kelly was much more comfortable making the call and it was a, a happy call. So she was glad she did mm-hmm. it. So it's Good. it's in the little um, daily things that you can help with, uh, with staff. But also Jo um, has just been promoted to senior client manager. So she's sitting in on all our strategy sessions um, right. and I'll challenge her to contribute at least one thing in each session. So she's yeah. taking it in at the moment, but doing the same sort of um, listening and seeing what she can um, uh, contribute to the client. 
I always find it fascinating that within the profession and broadly speaking, these skills are referred to as soft skills when they're, for many of us, hard. And I think a lot of firms and the profession as a whole tends to underinvest in soft skill development. So it's yeah. cool that you went to the academy that Richard ran with Heather to learn these soft skills and you're now mentoring and training your staff on those soft skills as well. Yeah. What do you think firms can do around that soft skills training to make it something that's not done every once in a while, but it's just a standard part of the regular training? I think the first thing is recognising that it is an important part of training because it's not technical training. It's not what we would class as CPD or, you know, going and updating yourself with tax or software and things. There's so much to learn and so much to keep up to speed with. Um, but it all comes down to um, why we're in business. We, I think we're all in business to look after our clients and care mm -hmm. for our clients and make sure they get the best service. So mm -hmm. I think we have to uh, include in our training and development of our staff and our teams, we have to include those soft skills because that's going to give the client a better experience. So I think it's so the we were going recognizing it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So if we were going to, um, you know, focus our attention slightly broader on I suppose you know they call it voice of customer now don't they so we have teams that are listening and absorbing and asking the right questions of our customers is there anything else that you're doing Sharon it's a bit of a leading question because I, I, I often ask this at my transform breakfasts to get some nervous hands going up um, <laughs> in other ways to get a voice of customer kind of embedded into what Kinder Pocock does um. That is an interesting one. I tell you what we do do. Um, uh, this is again in training. So we all did uh, Karen Rayburn's content yep. marketing course. Um, and that's all around answering the client's questions. So this, I think, has really helped as well in thinking of the client's voice and what they want. So it's all about, um, it sort of comes down to, I'm going off on a slight tangent here, the fact that, God, I can't remember the percentage now, there's a massive percentage of your potential clients are making their decision about you before they've even spoken to you. So they're looking you up online, getting referrals. So it's having the answers out there already. Um, so the now, when I write blogs and when the girls are giving me ideas, well, the whole team are giving me ideas for blogs, it's actually what is the client asking? Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm trying to work. So the titles of our blogs really need to be a question that the client has asked, not what we would do. So I've got a blog on um, my the strategy sessions which we run, which is all about business planning and getting the ideas out of the clients. Um, and then I'll go away and do a forecast in Spotlight and then come back for part two a couple of weeks later and we'll do like the one page business plan. Um, uh, but in order to get that across to clients, because clients absolutely love it, they go away buzzing on cloud nine, they say. Um, so I've put it into a blog and the, but the title of the blog is I want to grow my business, but I don't know where to start. So it's not we do strategy sessions. This yeah. is what you need. Mm -hmm. It's from the client's point of view. 100%. This is an MC's wheelhouse. Um, MC, how do you ensure that firms that work with you are, um, you know, to, to Sharon's point, really, I suppose, asking the right questions or making 
the right open-ended comments to get genuine engagement because there's a lot of generic content out there, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first thing that we do with firms is make sure that they've got their strategy in place and there's seven elements that we get in place. And number one is a very detailed definition of their target clients. So the target buyer persona piece, and that's about understanding deeply for specific, not just industry niches or niches, but just very focused client groups. What are their pain points? What are their aspirations? What are their stay awakes? What are their common phrases and mantras to each other? To really get inside their head and understand those recurring questions, their values. Um, and then you write all of your content as if you're speaking to one specific prospect. So if a firm has three different target buyer personas, you never write an article that's appealing to small business. You're speaking to, to quote some of our clients' avatar names. It's like they're talking to, you know, e-commerce Eric or Savvy Sally or Professional Pete or Franchise Fred, not yeah. generically. So then, yeah, when you understand who you're talking to, you can then have a conversational article rather than speaking at them and chest beating. Yeah. I think if I'm writing a blog, I've got someone in mind. So we did a brainstorming thing on um, our niches. We picked on our indie food and hospitality. What are their pain points? So we just had a massive brainstorm um, for an hour or so, thinking about the clients that we do have. And, um, you know, what things do they talk to us about? There's so much more work we need to do on this. But the biggest thing that came out of it was um, VAT and VAT on takeaway food. And because that's a real, oh, it's a real nightmare if you don't know what it is in the UK. Um, so the blog is on that. So Joe research, well, Joe had helped the client with her EPOS um, system, getting the VAT right on the different elements. Mm -hmm. So that was the basis of the blog. So, so yeah, so uh, that. And, exactly and funnily enough, it can be things like that that are the stay awakes to use MC's term. Um, yeah. Just one, one of the things we used to do at Francis Consulting was survey clients. It sounds very old school and traditional. And actually, it was on paper in those days because we didn't have, I think, Survey Monkey was just coming out. Um, I remember asking this in Sydney to Transform Breakfast. We had a, probably 100 accounting firms there. And I said, who else surveys their, their customers? Because we were talking about listening and, and getting genuine feedback on what we, we were providing. And literally two or three hands went up. Out of how many? Out of about 100. And they are probably lying too. Um, wow. So... Do you, um, it, both of you, you're both business owners, who surveys their customers? Who uses NPS? Who, what other things could we or should we be doing? That's a good point, actually. I'm, my listening that I'm talking about at the moment is all around the advisory piece. But yeah, we, we're always listening to clients as well. So when we've done a piece of work, we know that's the best time when we're engaged with a client to send them a survey. So we yeah. send a survey on a Google form and in the email, it says, this is only three questions. It will take you five minutes, but we'd love to hear from you and so we can mm. improve. Um, but yeah, the, the one important question is, would you recommend us to your friends or colleagues? Um, and then we do put, we've, um, we've added a few bits on as we've gone through. So we asked them for comments and then we've learned this from the Gap. Um, Mark at the Gap, we've got a tick box now. Can we use these comments in our marketing? Yes. You don't have to go back and ask them like that. Top tip. Um, so yeah, yeah. Our, um, So we send those out regularly. Every week, Kelly's sending those right. out. We do send them to everybody. So our NPS score is 71 at the moment. Nice. Wow. Yeah. You know, even if people don't respond to those surveys, it's nice to be asked, isn't it? Yeah. And do you know, if, we've, if it's anything... Um, 
below a nine or a 10 and they've, uh, Kelly will follow up with them because what's the point of asking them when they give you feedback if you then don't follow up? So um, we've got a lovely client who they were with a previous accountant who were really old school and obviously now we're all automated with everything, um, but we still think or we, we're aiming for a very human relationship. But I think, um, I'll hold my hands up, she'd emailed me and it taken me far too long to reply to her email. Uh, so in her survey, she put... I really like the way you do everything automated, but I, this, I can't remember her words, but she was basically saying she missed the old way. So Kelly gave a ring to find out what was, you know, what, what can we do and all that. So yeah, we definitely follow up and phone them and see how Perfect. we can. Improve. I mean, it sounds like you've actually got the balance of human and automation really, really good. And, and to be honest, the fact that you're using a Google sheet to survey every customer on that regular basis, I think is, you know, very rare, even in this mm. day and age of um, all the different options we could be using. Are you seeing it much in I mean, you're dealing again with progressives, a little bit like Sharon, but I'm not seeing a lot of it. We're not seeing enough of it. Coincidentally, just today, we ran a webinar, we call them Ask an Expert webinars each month, which is just a Q&A with the topic. And today's topic was how to use technology to survey your clients. So we were talking about net promoter scores and using it in onboarding and uh, in general, and we did a poll in the survey, which web form tool are you using? We demonstrated Typeform, but in our poll, we said, are you using Typeform? Are you using Google Forms, SurveyMonkey, Wufu, et cetera? And the option was none. And 90% were not using any. Oh, wow. Best practice we find is to do them ongoing rolling, like what Sharon's doing, and then to have quarterly themes where you're essentially benchmarking and temperature checking with your client base. So uh, Matt Sharwood, who we interviewed a few episodes ago, Richard, from Advice Accountants, each quarter he does a survey asking his clients what are their top challenges and it's just a quick little multi-choice. And mm. if you link your survey tool to your marketing automation tool to send out emails, if someone says, yeah, growth's my issue or cash flow's my issue or profitability or managing the team or technology, you can then tag them and then send them helpful information based on what they've just told you. So it's win-win really, isn't it, to consistently ask your clients questions, whether they're open-ended questions or closed ones like a poll. And and it all sounds so obvious, but the fact that most of the people that we interact with, and and I think all three of us probably play a lot more at the progressive end of the accounting industry, shows just what competitive advantage you can get from listening and, and, and getting that voice of customer. Um, on, on my North American advisory board, I've got a lady called Kirsty Trail, who's a customer experience officer at Hootsuite. And she's actually down here in New Zealand and doing a voice of customer session for our team. And what was really interesting about one of the things that they put in play was um, having segmented customer advisory boards. So again, they have the different personas. Um, they've got you know different elements of their product that different personas use. But actually having, and I suppose it's a little bit like XPAC, you know, that Zero have had um, you know, maybe, you know, back, back in the day, they certainly got together customers to have face-to-face and, and group feedback sessions, um, which I think, you know, if they're well run and asking the right questions and based on listening, and I've been involved in one or two of those where the listening wasn't really happening, um, that can be quite powerful as well. I've, I know what I'd like to do. Um, I'm not sure there's... I've heard this from another accounting practice, so it's happening, is getting the clients in, in front of the team and getting the client to say, what do they want from their accountant? 
what's missing, um, what are their pain points in their business so that it's coming straight from the horse's mouth. We haven't done it yet, but it's an idea that I, I would like to put into place. Yeah, you definitely do, do that. And if you can, sometimes it helps to get a third party to facilitate those, not always, yeah. because they might tell an independent party something a bit more frankly than they might tell you directly. But I think do a mixture. Sometimes it's great to hear it straight from the yeah. horse's mouth, so to speak, as well, particularly if you're team to hear it. Yeah. Good point, getting a third party in there. Didn't think of that. The way I do it is I just go to zero cons and I, I can kind of see people coming up to me and I can judge at 100 paces now whether they're going to be angry, chest-poking interactions <laughs> or, or hugs and kisses. So I, I kind of hide behind the stand and things. <laughs> you know, one other tip... We do NPS too, and I would love to have 71. We try hard, but we find accountants, even the ecstatic ones, find it quite hard to do nines and tens. We go, fantastic, love your product, keep going, guys, eight. Mm. I do, I do think there's a, there's a psychology that there would be certain people that will never mark a, a 10. Yeah. I never give a 10. Yeah. There's always room for improvement. There I, you go. I have even asked, asked nicely, which is the tool we've used, if we can have a special accountant setting where eight actually counts as raving <laughs> empathy. <laughs> they won't change the software for me. It's oh, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> and, hey, I'm just... Uh, Zero yeah. did a. I'll just zero did a, a survey in the UK. Uh, I can't remember how many businesses, um, but a big survey of part of their small businesses and what small businesses want from accountants. The average NPS score for accountants is minus five. And then they surveyed um, how your accountant was dealing with your records, so uh, spreadsheets, journals. Uh, desktop software online software came out with an mps of 20 so average is minus five yeah. for a, a how sorry how small businesses would um are reviewing their accountants to make that clear so a small businesses yeah. would give accountants a minus five nps and if their accountants are online and doing all that lovely stuff it's a 20 yeah but doesn't this is really sad to say having been in the industry so long but that doesn't surprise me does it surprise you mc minus five no it doesn't i think in the small business community there's a huge perceived indifference that business owners have on their uh, of their accountants because in general they don't proactively communicate and ask questions i had someone say to me just the other day she was in the finance sector and she said gosh I can't remember the last time my accountant asked me, so how's business? And I said, really? Really? How long have you had this accountant? She said, nine years. I said, well, you're very tolerant because there are a lot of very good accountants and advisors out there who will consistently have those conversations with you. But her experience, because of, and I'm sure, Richard, you're similar, because our clients are accountants, my friends and people that I meet when they find out what I do, share their stories about the indifference that they feel towards their accountants, mm. which is an opportunity for people like you, Sharon, who are on the front foot. Yeah, I just think in the UK especially, accountants were traditionally did just do your accounts at the end of the year. And before self-assessment, my experience anyway, so when um, you had to submit your tax returns online, um, before that, it was a bit hit and miss whether the tax returns even went in. So it was the tax office calculating the tax. That was my experience. So it may be different for others, but very, very 
not even reactive, um, you know, working towards the tax return deadline. No, because there wasn't a tax return deadline. Just very hit and miss and doing the accounts, but way after the year end. Um, so not doing any of that advisory stuff in any shape or form. Like we, we wouldn't really have done forecasts before moving to zero and spotlight because it was too onerous. And mm. so this is it. People didn't want it. How that was the view. So I've got a story. We weren't listening. Uh, seeing we're short, uh, sharing war stories. I was in the airport about a year ago and a guy came up to me and said, are you Mr. Spotlight? So I thought, mm -hmm. oh, this is great. I'm, I'm obviously quite famous. I did have a big Spotlight reporting T-shirt on. And yes, we are all related in New Zealand, so it's not that exciting. But what he said to me was, I've just moved to an accountant that's using Spotlight and I'm loving getting the outputs. I wish my old accountant had done that. So being nosy like I am, I asked the names. When he told me, I knew that both sets of accountants used Spotlight. <laughs> so here was an, a, a, quite a, wow. a decent business decent and so listening one accountant obviously listened to what this client needed and offered monthly reporting or an annual forecast or you know cash flow whatever it happened to be the other one had the tool set sitting there and this guy had been you know a client for, for some time and didn't even know that his accountant did useful staff yeah. advisory or you know um, and I, I actually think that's probably quite rampant out there as well so the power of listening and asking the right questions and not just telling accountants, uh, sorry, telling small business owners what our services are on our website because they're probably not looking there. And some of the words we use, I mean, even advisory, is that a useful tag? I don't know. Does I don't small think business so. know what it is? Not for an, you, no, you wouldn't no, get that's industry jargon. Yeah, you wouldn't get a small business owner going, I need advisory. I really do. No, I exactly. Yeah. But also, I think existing clients aren't necessarily going to go to your website, are they? I mean, when they're looking, they are. But unless, so I, I don't think we're even doing this, and we should be, but unless you're really telling them that you've got loads of good stuff and it's always being updated, maybe they would use it mm. then as a resource. I don't think we're even shouting about that. But yeah, so I don't know. So they're definitely not going to look at your services page, but are they even looking at your website if, if they're your client already? The only way they would be is if you were driving traffic there to use the marketing lingo with um, good articles that you're sending as email newsletter saying, hey, John, Jane, uh, recently wrote an article about how to better manage cash flow in a such and such business such as yours, thought it might be of interest. So to put it in front of them in their inbox and these days, other ways, you know, very progressive firms are now messaging their clients outside of email too using Facebook Messenger and other ways that are even a more intimate communication. But yeah, you definitely need to educate clients about advisory without using the word advisory. It all comes back to conversations though, doesn't it? Everything we've talked about really is conversations. And I, um, I, was, I was sharing the spotlight story with the team. We've had quite a few new team members and I was talking about when I was a, um, worked at a big firm and I was the consulting, we called it consulting in those days, consulting manager, terrible discredited term now. Um, and I managed to kind of double the fees on two or three of the clients at this firm. And I didn't have any science or background in it, but the thing that kind of occurred to me and actually really helped me when I ran Francis Consulting was I just sat there as a vaguely terrified kind of 20 something with these big clients, quite why the partners wheeled me out in front of them. I don't know that maybe they had hangovers from the weekend or something, but um, I just sat there taking notes and asking a few questions and these, these clients were talking at me, talking at me, and then I collated them. 
And I remember then meeting, you know, sitting down with the partners. And from that, we could pick out actually services we could offer. So it wasn't that they were, it wasn't that we said we were going to be mentoring, but what they, you know, because that's a term that can turn people off as well. But what came out of that was that the business owners were struggling with the skill sets needed to grow their business. So then we could repackage that as a service. And back to your story, Sharon, around the debt, um, one of the, one of the biggest successes myself and Julie had in practice was sitting down listening to a client who had appallingly structured debt across businesses and personal and the bank was absolutely rorting him and his um, wife and we were able to work out quite quickly how we could restructure his debt to uh, pay it off faster and save six figures of interest over I think it was a decade he had this debt um, and we didn't have that as a service. It wasn't on our website. We just listened to what their need was. And we were, you know, it's not that uh, if it was something we couldn't provide, we would have referred them on, but we could. And I think um, often accountants are very package or tag driven or lingo driven in what they offer. And those words can turn the customer off. Absolutely. One of the first things that we do with, uh, websites when we do them is remove the lead messaging around naming services because when a prospective client sees you do this service, this service, this service, they immediately think, what does that cost? And flip it around to what are the outcomes that you help your clients achieve? And then price sensitivity is less, less of an issue because you're talking about where you're going to take the client. One of my favorite sayings is that people are silently begging to be led. So advisory engagements don't fall in people's laps and you can't expect someone to walk into your office and go, as you said before, Sharon, oh yes, you know, I woke up this morning and I said to my partner, what we really need is advisory. It's never going to happen. Um, but if you show leadership, people will follow. You can't expect them to put their hand up and say, I need help. And it only comes from these, these quality conversations where the client feels there's um, a level of, it's a weird word, but you know, a level of intimacy. There's this, you know, deeper trust that they can share mm. some of the things that maybe they might not share with others about their predicament. I think also it's uh, it's having the experience of having these conversations as well to help you to talk to other clients. So we've got a lovely client, quite a small business, so I wouldn't have expected we would uh, be increasing her fees, but just from having conversations with her, she doesn't want she doesn't want or possibly doesn't need the full advisory package that we can offer with the strategy sessions but and everything but what she finds really useful is just a half hour call once a quarter is enough just to yeah. check in have someone to be accountable to so um so the fees have gone the, her monthly fee has gone up a little bit um but she gets so much value out of it and then i'm thinking hang on a minute we could tell other people about this now, like quarterly accountability calls. It's not a service, but mm -hmm. because it's working so well and we've got that experience and she's really valuing it and the kinds of things we talk about, um, uh, then we can offer that to other people. So it's, it's also being brave and have a, getting in front of people, having those conversations and seeing what that can lead to. 100%. That accountability piece is extremely valuable. People will pay money for that. And that's one of the seven layers of value that we talk to firms about delivering is that accountability piece. One of our clients offers 15-minute uh, accountability calls on a weekly basis to some types of clients. And it's only able to talk about one KPI, the KPI 
of the moment. So if it's a tradie, it might be to do with, you know, getting the, the invoices out promptly, or it might be debtors, depending where they're at. And he um, achieves the highest yield of anything that he does from those 15 minute conversations and the clients are super loyal and he gets a lot of referrals from those clients because they're so wrapped to have a, an accountant who cares so much about how the business is tracking from one week to the next. But whether it's weekly, monthly, quarterly or six monthly, um, I think it's a matter of just tailoring that to each client, isn't it? Yeah, and actually what their needs are. So one of our KPIs for this client is um, uh, getting her monthly income up to a certain level so once she does that once she then it's working out okay what would be a good reward for you once you've done that um a spa day okay so once she gets to so she's had a spa day already so once she gets to um i think six months reaching her target every month she's going to then um take out a membership in the spa so she's you know a monthly Things. So she's setting herself really, really personal. It sounds um, like she should, she should be taking her accountant to the spa. No, that's an idea, isn't it? There you go. Share this, share this recording with her. Sharon, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm conscious of time. We do, we've talked about a lot of great stuff. One thing I did, I did want to touch on before we go is um, price sensitivity and kind of pricing these services up because... I think for a long time there, the profession got obsessed with packages, you know, like we were a McDonald's menu. And one of the things I actually found really useful was being quite flexible and just allowing services to land as you have um, and pricing them a little bit off the cuff, if I'm honest. How do you, as a business owner, earn a fair return on your accountability sessions and all of the other great work you're doing because I know it's a challenge. You're in a small town and we've all been there. Um, tell us a little bit about your journey to, to getting the value uh, accruing back to Kinder Pocock. Yeah, and uh, it's been a journey. I think because I set up on my own working from home, um, I was my fees were way too low. And I don't think I valued what we did. I'd worked uh, in practice for quite a while so I wasn't really valuing um, myself so obviously didn't then think the clients would value me so it's been a long journey in you know gradually putting the fees up um, but something that I did do a couple of years ago was I had to there's a few things I had to really put the fees up so we do have packages but what mm -hmm. I realized was that um, they were all probably they were all a little bit too low but also I was giving freebies away so our it's now called our support me package is payroll for one director um, tax return for one director and then obviously the company accounts um, and all that stuff but if there were two directors I was still only charging the normal package so payroll for one tax return for one and if you then extrapolate that across all of your clients so I was giving things away for free um, so that was one thing and then with the advisory stuff Obviously, it's where to start, isn't it? Um, I've recently increased our, so these strategy sessions we did, firstly, I would just include it in the monthly package, but actually what, this is something that um, Mark at The Gap has helped me with lots, is the value in doing that. So setting the scene. So the strategy sessions is, it's all about pulling out their personal goals, then getting the business to meet that, and they'll end up with, two half well they'll have two half day sessions with me and a one page business plan and a 12 month forecast so i've just 
increased all those fees. So first, sorry, first of all, I now price that separately instead of, oh, we'll just add it onto your monthly fee. Thank goodness. Um, That's and the then, biggest mistake I see accountants make. They just add, yeah. they either roll it into a package yeah. or they yeah. add a nominal, or how about another 50 quid on top? And they're just, ex- yeah. yeah I tell you, if, if I've got, what I do is, uh, I'll say it's a fixed fee because that helps me. <laughs> um, so there's a fixed fee for the strategy sessions, but then they need to pay us 50% up front and complete a questionnaire before we'll have the first session. Um, and then while we're doing it then, obviously the best thing to do is to uh, then check in every three months to look at our, did we achieve our 90 day goals and that. So that I'm kind of then selling into the packages. So yep. this is the one off. You need this yeah, to get you sorted. Yeah. And then I'll have already quoted them for a monthly package, but actually we need to do this every three months now. So we'll increase that. So, but, um, but the, the key thing is um, again, in listening or uh, communication skills is what I used to do is quote and then carry on talking. And then I would have discounted myself without giving the client chance to say yes. So what I've learned now is I give them the quote, whether it's in front of them or on the phone, I'll give them the quote and then shut up leave a pause because obviously they need to filter things through yep. and then if they don't say anything i'll go and um, that's okay then so just having a more positive spin on it rather than oh but i'm not all oh, i can get i can make I, some off if i had the pause and no pushback i thought oh no i've gone too cheap too low yeah well there is that but i see i put the prices for the strategy sessions i put the fees up by 50 percent and Obviously, the ones I'd already quoted, I left as they were, but every new one I put up, I should have doubled it, but I thought I wasn't quite comfortable with that. I've put it up by 50%, no pushback. So I should have doubled it. But at least I put it up by 50%. I think that yep. if we're talking about pricing, it's um, my big drive is doing the same work, but be, but charge more. I do the same work, but receive more income because I think our fees were too low. Does that make sense? Yeah, what, what I found too was when you charge more, you actually feel better about what you're delivering and, and the value you're bringing. Because if, you've, if you're sitting there thinking, you know, I'm really making a, a, a difference here, I'm you know, providing some great services, my experience and expertise, but you feel undervalued, I don't think you put your best foot forward. So like, that's such an issue for so many accountants. And actually, even though you've, you've been brave and had that 50% uplift, the way you told that too, and I could see MC smiling, um, you know, so many accountants still discount themselves when they think, I'm, I'm going to double that. I'm going to go for it. And then you, you get on the phone and you go up by 50%. And there's no pushback. Or um, I always, the accountants I kind of debate this with, I say it's okay to actually get pushback because in life, I think my, my view anyway is that there's 20% of people that will complain about anything on any given day of the week anyway. So if you're not getting at least 20%, of the moaners and groaners, um, you're, you're probably being too generous. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that MC, but pricing is probably one of the biggest issues we're still grappling with in the industry. It's a fascinating area because there's so many layers to it in that people's self-esteem, self-worth, uh, there's a lot of psychological elements to people pricing higher. But at the end of the day, one of my favourite questions to principals and their advisory team who are expected to sell advisory services to the clients is, would you buy your own advisory services? And you can tell when they wouldn't. 
So you've got to have utter belief that, yeah, this package that clients pay a thousand, two thousand a month for, it is worth it. It is worth double that um, and be utterly convinced to your core that the value proposition is, is there. Otherwise, don't sell it anyway. Um, so I think it's so important. We teach people to do it. Yeah, do a bottom up costing. What will it cost us to deliver the service? Sure. But to start with a top down value of what's the opportunity cost in this business if this isn't done? Or what's the opportunity cost if they try to do it themselves, but should probably be focusing on higher value tasks. And by the time you look at opportunity cost and cost of inaction, the price of the service pales compared to the um, behavioral economists call it price anchoring. So the cost of inaction might be $60,000 and your service is 10 or 15,000 pounds or dollars. And all of a sudden the 15,000 looks cheap, cheap as mm. chips. Whereas in the past, the firm was charging $5,000 for it. So it's all about compared to what? It's yeah. funny that, that that mindset change. I remember a, um, one of, you know, in a storm practice, uh, doing a spotlight forecast and, uh, and only, you know, and I, and I, I, you know, backed myself as a value price person. Um, and we charged $1,500 as it wasn't much more than an hour's work of mine. So quite a decent fee, but we raised a lot of money with the bank, with the client who was blown away. You know, the, the bank was blown away with, with the forecast. And I was telling, um, uh, an accounting firm about this, you know, to, show them what, what they could do. And they said, oh, we, we charge, irrespective of how long it takes us, $5,000 for that level forecast. <laughs> so um, I'm not suggesting that's going to work for everyone, but uh, they had, so they put me in my place, but they really understood the value of, you know, if you can, if you can run the numbers, create some, some charts and some compelling KPIs and things for the bank, and it means your client gets a million dollars or whatever, Charge the value, not the cost, and don't be afraid to, you know, to make it a, a round number or, or even add a zero on it. But so I maybe we we'll leave that. Do we leave that okay. with you, Karen, and the listeners as a challenge to add a zero to your next price point? <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> MC, you've got one last question for Sharon, I think, before we wrap up. So, Sharon, I'll pose a question to you for those listening to us now on the podcast if they want to develop better relationships and uncover opportunities with their clients, what's a tip for them to develop better listening or upstream from that better questioning skills in themselves or their team? I think the, the first thing would be have find more opportunities to get in front of your clients. I think in our very fast world and online world, it's really easy to, to just send a quick email or just not see them at all. So a phone call, but preferably a meeting or you know some kind of face-to-face -face because you have really valuable conversations like that um, the other thing well you could just have a bit of fun with the team and try those listening uh, challenges so um, so teams of two and I set the scene beforehand so everybody is just saying uh, you know how did they get to work that day or something really easy that they can talk about and do the very quick sentence five words repeat it back and then a longer sentence attempt to repeat it back and then the paragraph so you know uh, a good five sentences uh, being talked about their journey to work say and then uh, get the listener to repeat back the, the general overview and because that's it's quite good fun to do, but it's mm. it just makes you see things differently about how to listen. 
And those soft skills role plays, they'll get more out of that than just reading the theory so they can experience it and you can debrief and discuss how they went Mm. and what they learned. Yeah, great. Yeah, behind that as well is just having a a great team and do, so we talk all the time, um, like daily, weekly, every three months we have our reviews, but we go out and socialise and just as the business owner or the employer, look at what you can do to empower your team and have a happy team. Sharon, one last question from me. You've, you've been an award-winning uh, advisor. You, you're now on judging panels and all sorts of other uh, amazing things. So it's been a fantastic journey and very well-respected person in the industry. What would you say from, from all of the scars and the, and the stay awakes and all of that you've had, what would you say to the Sharon Pocock of 10 years ago, what was the one bit of advice you'd give yourself if you could turn back the clock? Uh, Honestly, probably value yourself more. And I think if I'd have, because we've talked about fees, um, I think if I'd have started charging more from the start, uh, uh, the journey would have been a little bit easier and maybe less sleepless nights. I'm being completely honest. Yeah. Put your fees up, Sharon. (laughs) Put your fees up, guys. You heard it here first. Value, value yourself. I think that's that's Yeah, huge. value yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Sharon. Um, I, MC, and I could, could could keep talking all night with you. It's it's fascinating, um, and you've had lots to share. So for me, kind of some some of the takeaways, obviously, um, develop listening skills yourself. I think that's important. Often the alpha in the in the firm is the one who talks the most. Get your team to um, learn some listening skills, and from that, hopefully the right services and the offerings will emerge. And, and if you price them and value yourself, um, you know, listening well to customers plus value-based pricing equals um, some great results. So um, really want to thank you for your time. It's been fantastic talking. MC, did you want to... Just two words for me to summarize what I've heard Sharon share is conversations and caring. <laughs>